Chut Chut, and welcome to Tuscan Radio. I'm your host, Drew Gretsch. Uh, guys, we are so close to Kenobi. We are one week away from Kenobi. Uh, so, yeah, um, we're going to be talking about that today. We have this wonderful, wonderful article from Vanity Fair that dropped today that I'm going to be talking about. Um... I'm recording this on Tuesday night, so this is uh, pretty early that I, I'm I'm recording it in the week. So if there's any the other big news happens, I'm not going to be talking about that until later on. So our Kenobi recording schedule is going to be much like it was for the Book of Boba Fett. Where I think after the premiere, the plan is to have, because I'm, I'm out of town with actually most of our crew um, that week, and we're not going to have internet, and we're not going to be recording podcasts, um, like, un- unless there is a secret Star Wars movie that they've made that they drop on Disney+, Plus, then we will do a podcast. But even then, probably not. Um, yeah, no, so there will be no podcasting next weekend, but, so I'm thinking we're doing for just these first episodes of Kenobi, because remember, they are dropping on the same day, they are dropping... Same time on May 27th. We're going to double premiere next Friday. Um, we are going to do the instant um, the instant take. I'm doing two instant takes for <laughs> Kenobi. We'll do episode one and episode two back to back. I mean, I, so I, I'm going to watch episode one, recording it, dropping it in the feed, watching episode two, Recording it, dropping in the feed. That's gonna be the schedule for that, and then probably honestly, Tuesday we'll be doing two. Uh, I don't know yet if we're gonna be doing two separate reviews for coming episode one, coming episode two, or if we're just gonna put them together. Because I'm, I'm guessing most of our thoughts are gonna be like grouped about the first episode. So we'll probably just do that. Is we'll have our instant takes for each episode, and then we'll have. One review after that. It'll probably be on Tuesday uh, after for that, uh, for those first few episodes. And then after that, we are going to be getting in a rhythm for the last four episodes of the series um, regarding, you know, just Wednesdays at probably honestly 3 a.m. Central Time. We'll be doing the, the, instant take for these episodes. So I'm staying up for all these episodes because I can't wait for this show. I know I'm not alone there. And then full reviews will be dropped on Fridays as we did with the book of Boba Fett and we will be doing for all the shows moving forward. So that is basically how we're going to be covering Obi-Wan. But today... Today, a photo shoot made me cry. A photo shoot made me cry today. Because we saw a, a, a video, a 75 second long video. If you, I'm sure you guys have all seen it, but if not, you can find it fairly easily. It's a photo shoot with Ewan McGregor, Diego Luna, Pedro Pascal, and Rosario Dawson all in their costumes. So you have Obi-Wan, you have you have Cassian, you have Din, you have Ahsoka. They're all there in costumes. And I don't care. 
I don't care. I was talking to Ivan about this earlier in the day, and he was like, with the world between worlds, it's all possible. It's all possible. Like, you're, you're right. This is all possible. And there was this... This was there was this great article that Vanity Fair published um, alongside. So we're going to not talk about the whole thing, but we're going to be talking about a, a good chunk of it. It's particularly about how it, uh, like the things that it reveals about um, the upcoming television series for Disney+, Plus, as well as some upcoming films. So I think we're probably going to start with the... The movie part, because Star Wars is first and foremost a movie franchise. Like, any... And and I've been saying that for a long time. Any show that comes out will always be referred to as a spinoff of the film franchise. Even... Even if we get to a point where the number of shows outnumber the films, 10 to 1, Star Wars will still be a film franchise. It will always be a film franchise. So, starting off here with, with the, uh, the news about the films, um, Kathleen Kennedy says, we have a roadmap. I'm I'm quoting her directly. I'm quoting her directly. Um, we have a roadmap. Um, and when she, she does the question, about Kevin Feige producing a Star Wars movie. She said, I would love to see what movie he might come up with, but right now, no, there isn't anything specifically. I'm going to call BS. I, I can call BS because just earlier this month, we've heard, you know, Michael Waldron, you know, who's been doing the press for his new film that he's been that he he wrote Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, which my full review is out over on in the Marvel podcast. He's been talking about writing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. You know, he's been talking about writing that movie for a, a, a while now, for a couple of weeks. So, I'm I'm calling complete BS on this. You know, um. I think they could be saving a, an announcement for celebration, but that may not be true. So we'll we'll just have have, have to see what happens there. Um, when I, and she she was asked about Ryan Johnson's trilogy announced five years ago, been put on the, on the back burner. Ryan has been unbelievably busy with Knives Out and the deal that he made at Netflix for multiple movies. Um. So, let's. I know there's some more new there. They mentioned, she mentions Tyke at some point. Um, saying, where, where did she mention Tyka? Uh, but basically she says that Tyka's movie is probably going to be the next movie. Tyka's movie is next. Not Rogue Squadron, though she, she does say it's still happening. You guys know my uh, opinions on what Star Wars is is real. Star Wars is real when, when it wraps filming. That's when Star Wars is real. It's when it wraps filming. There are no movies that, that, that are happening right now. Because they've not wrapped filming. They haven't started filming. Um, Kenobi's real. Andor's real. 
I believe Mando's wrapped. Has has Mando wrapped? I I think it has. I, I'm I'm 95% sure that the Mandalorians wrapped filming on season three. Yeah, the, so the Mandalorian season three is real. That's a real show or a real season. Um, Ahsoka's filming right now. That's not real yet to me. The Acolyte, my most anticipated series, is not going to be real until, like, I don't know, a year from now. Because they, they're supposed to start shooting in, um, in October. That, because, and, uh, filming for that got bumped to the fall. So, yeah, um, Star Wars is not real until it's rep filming, but... Apparently, Taika's is next. I, I don't think it's coming out next year because Star Wars movies, you know, we, we looked at it. Star Wars movies that come out in December need to start filming the summer before. So if there's a Star Wars movie that's gonna that's trying to make that December 2023 date, it needs to start shooting summer of 2022. That's not Rogue Squadron. I I mean, un, unless production or just pre-production is continued and we just don't know about it, um, then it's then it can happen. Taika Waititi is putting the final touches on Thor: Love and Thunder right now, you know. So he's not also doing pre-production on a Star Wars movie. He's not. I think he's got some good ideas for it. I mean, I I think Taika is probably one of the best directors working today. But that's nowhere near close to filming. So I think that this hiatus between Star Wars movies is going to be a lot longer than we originally anticipated. It was going to be three years. Because we were supposed to get a movie this year. And then it got bumped back for COVID to 2023. It may be until 2025 now that we get another Star Wars movie. And it could be in 2024. I mean, what's also possible is this thing they're doing with their swapping, where they're like alternating years with uh, Avatar and Star Wars movies. That we'll see um, maybe 2022, this year is Avatar The Way of Water. Which, that trailer looked really good. That trailer was awesome for Avatar 2. We got a Doctor Strange. My god, I'm, I'm so excited for Avatar 2. And maybe 2023 also we'll get Avatar 3. So we could get these first two sequels back-to-back. And we'll have two back-to-back years of Star Wars. But she also does say here... I, 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 I want to pull... I really want to pull the, um, the, the direct quote that that she has um let me see if i can find it the the direct quote right, here we go um all this led to the hiatus a fallow spot in the star wars film landscape that kennedy announced in early 2019 months before rise of skywalker even debuted lucasfilm needed to regroup and rethink we all recognize every single one of us that this was a new chapter of the company we needed to all work together to create the architecture for where we were going. Um, 
factor in the standalone movies Rogue One and Solo, which you guys know Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie, hands down. And I really enjoy Solo a lot. And the Bay Area Production Company have been churning out a blockbuster a year, a breakneck pace, considering that Lucas himself only released one Star Wars film every three years, with well over a decade between trilogies. Kennedy wanted to dispense with the annual deadline and reconsider everything. The most important lesson that they learned from this uh, was Star Wars required a greater degree of professional devotion from filmmakers. Anyone who comes into the Star Wars universe needs to know it's a three, four, five-year commitment, she says. That's what it takes. You can't step in for a year and shoot something and then walk away. It requires that kind of nurturing. Getting something appropriately cosmic prepped for their streaming services launch became Disney's highest priority. It had to feel as big as film, so Kennedy turned to filmmaker. And then she goes on to talk about Favreau, and we're going to talk about all that later on in the show. So what she says there is we will not have another thing where it's like every year we're getting a Star Wars movie. I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled about that. As someone who loves four of the five Star Wars movies that Disney made, you guys, you guys know that. I I love The Force Awakens. I, I just said it. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie, period. I, I don't care. I'll say this too. I love The Last Jedi. I love The Last Jedi. I really, really enjoyed Solo. Hated The Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, I, I think that overall Disney's had a lot of really great s- success, both in in film that they've done and especially with television, because I don't think that they've had a misstep yet. I don't think their TV has had a misstep yet when it comes to the live action stuff, at least. With two seasons of The Mandalorian and The Book of Fett. I really like The Book of Fett. I really liked that show. Um, it, it's much better on a, a, a rewatch if you have not yet gone back and rewatched it. But, you know, I, I think that there can be years where maybe we'll get a back-to-back Star Wars movie. You know, like, once a decade or something, there will be two years in a row where we get a Star Wars movie. That can happen. Hell, I, I think that could happen in a couple years. You know, if if maybe like, all right, we'll I'll do Avatar 2 and 3, 2022 and 23. We'll do two Star Wars movies, 24 and 25, and then we'll, then we'll get into more of a rhythm for the last two Avatar sequels and this Kevin Feige movie. That's just what I think they're doing. That's what I think they're doing. And also, I mean, it seems like, you know, Ryan Johnson's thing is canceled. But honestly, as much as I love The Last Jedi, a, a, a Ryan Johnson trilogy is not a good idea. As much as I love The Last Jedi and not Knives Out is in my top... It's my top three of all time. It's my number three favorite movie of all time is Knives Out. I love Knives Out. And I can't wait for Knives Out 2 this year on Netflix. And I can't wait for Knives Out 3 after that. So I think that having Ryan Johnson go and direct Knives Out right now instead of Star Wars, I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. 
Ryan Johnson, regardless of, of what you think about The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson is a wonderful director. He is a fantastic, visionary director. If you've not seen Knives Out, go watch Knives Out. If you have not seen Looper, Looper is one of the best time travel movies I've ever seen. Looper is incredible. Looper's great. So, put aside what you think about, you know, what he did with Luke Skywalker in in that film. Go watch some of his non-Star Wars movies, and you will be very surprised with what you find. He is a great filmmaker. So... I personally am sad that his trilogy is not happening, but I fully understand why it's not happening. I fully understand why. I'd rather see him do more original things like Knives Out and Looper. To be completely honest, that that's what I'd rather see from from him than doing Star Wars movies that people are going to complain about. Because that's what would happen. That's what would happen. That's what we Star Wars fans do is we just complain. Um. So yeah, so let's um go to another thing. Let's go to something that Kathleen Kenny said. This is the one bad thing I'm not a big fan of with this article. Um so they were talking so they were talking about how um you know, Mark Hamill came back to play Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian and Book of Fett. And then they were talking about how um, Alden Ehrenreich played Han in, in, in the solo movie. And what Han, or sorry, not, not what Han, what, what Kathleen Kennedy said was, there should be moments along the way when you learn things. Now it seems so abundantly clear that we can't do that. In in regards to having new actors portray the classic roles. If that's the if that's the message you got from solo losing money, then you were having the wrong conversations. Solo did not lose money because you cast Alden Ehrenreich. Now, I don't think that Solo could have been a one... I don't think Solo could have been a billion dollar movie without Harrison Ford. I I don't think it could have been a billion dollar movie without Harrison Ford. I, I, I don't even know that I believe that. Because the other four movies that Disney did all made over a billion dollars. The Force Awakens uh, made over two billion dollars. So, and I'm not saying that just because it's Star Wars, it, it should have made a billion dollars. No. I mean, Batman v Superman made 800 million. By the way, the movie was a huge hit financially. It was not a flop. Like people will tell you it was a flop. It was not a flop. 
But a movie called Batman v Superman should have made well over $1.5 billion. If, if, if you're going to play that game of it's Star Wars, so it should make over a billion dollars. If, if you're going to play that game, then you have to acknowledge Batman v Superman. So, yeah. Um, the reason, yeah. Alden, Alden was great. He, he did his best with that role. And I really enjoyed him in, the, in that movie. I thought he was really good in that movie. But, you know, it, it looks like he's not going to come back. And the other thing, there was no mention of it in this article whatsoever. And what Kathleen Kennedy says here really makes me think that the Lando series is canceled also, that we're not going to be seeing that Lando show, which makes me sad because I was really, really going to, I was looking forward to that one a lot. I was really looking forward to the, um, the Lando series, like particularly the, the, the notion that it was going to be a cross between like Billy D. Williams and Donald Glover. Because Donald Glover was the best part of Solo. And I've literally been saying that for four years. Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian was the best part of that movie. I've said that since the movie came out four years ago. Yeah, that movie's four years old. Think about that. He's four years old. Um. So, I mean, looking at the bright side here, we're going to get, it seems, hopefully, more original stories based on new characters. You know? As, as much as I think this is the wrong takeaway from that. Because this is the wrong takeaway from Solo. That recasting your actors will have your movie flop. That's not true at all. You know, that's not... It, it is just not true. So... I... It... it I'm just happy that means we'll probably get some new characters, some some fresh new faces in in the Star Wars universe. Because I think particularly they have been way too reliant on um, bringing back old characters. You guys know, Ahsoka Tano is my favorite Star Wars character, period. She is my favorite Star Wars character. She is my Luke Skywalker. Clone Wars is, is what made me a fan, and she... Ah- Ahsoka was... Like, I, I'd i seen the original films, but it was Clone Wars that made me a fan. That's sort of told sometimes on this podcast, but... Seeing Ahsoka in Book of Fett meant nothing to me. It didn't mean anything to me. Yeah, it was cool to see Ahsoka and Luke interact... That, that was cool. But it shouldn't have been in that show. It sh- that should not have been in Book of Boba Fett. That should have been in the Ahsoka series. But I... I'd rather see, like, someone new. 
And obviously in that circumstance, it would really just have to be Ahsoka. And I don't even feel like Ahsoka had anything to do there. It was just like, do you want to come to set, Rosario, and pop up here? You know? Like, that episode was like Star Wars No Way Home. Because you... Who did you have an episode of Boba Fett? You had uh, Mandalorian. Uh, you had Grogu. You had Luke Skywalker. So Katana. You had um, you had Cobb Vanth. You had Cad Bane. You had a cameo by Boba Fett, a a non speaking role in his own show, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> but yeah, that. I think it was a great episode of Star Wars. Not a great episode of that show, but whatever. We're moving on now. Um, so, in terms of new stories that I really hope are not going to be connecting to anything else that we've already established in Star Wars, you have two upcoming shows. Being The Acolyte as one, and here's here's basically just what they have to say about the acolyte. Um, the acolyte reportedly starring Amanla Stenberg, who played um, the, the character of Rue in the first Hunger Games movie. The acolyte aims to do that in in terms of introducing new actors and characters to Star Wars. The show is in the the show is in the casting phase, but the rating is largely complete, says showrunner Leslie Headland co-creator of the time-looping Netflix show Russian Doll. By the way, that show is great. Russian Doll is awesome. She has been planning it. She has been planning for it for two years, mostly from the confines of her home. Her dog and cat, who peek in curiously from the background of Zoom conversations, are certainly steeped in the concept of the galaxy's High Republic era, she says. But casual Star Wars fans who haven't been following the recent novels and comics might still be unaware. The Acolyte, Hedlund says takes place roughly a hundred years before The Phantom Menace. A lot of those characters haven't even been born yet. We're taking a look at the political and personal and spiritual things that came up in a time period that we don't know much about. My question was, when watching The Phantom Menace was always like, well, how did things get to this point? How did we get to a point where a Sith Lord can infiltrate the Senate and none of the, none of the Jedi pick up on it? Like, what went wrong? What are the scenarios that led us to this moment? Headland describes the Acolyte as a mystery thriller set in a prosperous and seemingly peaceful era, when the galaxy is still sleek and glistening. We actually use the term the Renaissance, or the Age of Enlightenment, she says. Jedis were not always ascetic, monk-like figures, living selflessly and bravely. The Jedi uniforms are golden white, and it's almost like they would never get dirty. They would never be out and about, Headland says. The idea that they could, the idea is that they could have these types of uniforms because that's how little they're getting into skirmishes. That sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. And the the political thriller aspect of it really entices me. It really entices me. I have no idea what this show is going to be like. But from the little we know about it, I'm so excited for the Acolyte. I'm so excited for the Acolyte. Like, 
even going back to Disney University like 18 months ago, just knowing, like, of everything they announced there, the Acolyte was the number one thing that I was hyped for. And, you know, it's doing what I want Star Wars to do. And I'm not saying that Star Wars should always do what I want it to do. I think Star Wars should explore countless different genres. Like this next thing we're going to be talking about. And I just really want to see Star Wars do different things and appeal to different people. And this is a show that really appeals to me. Is is the Acolyte. Another one that we'd heard about... Uh, uh, so the one thing I would change with the Acolyte, the other one thing I would change with the Acolyte, is I would set it a thousand years at least before Feminist. Because a hundred years, you could still have certain things impact the movies. But still, I, I'd want to be... I would... If I was doing the show, I, I, I'd keep everything that I've heard so far. I love the idea of everything I've heard so far, but I would just send it further back in time. It's it's better than we had first heard, which is only 80 years. I I like the 100 years things more because it's only 20 years, but I mean that, and especially in the, gal- in the that galaxy far, far away, it's not all that long, but I would like to see it go further back in time, but this is... It this is still good. This is still good. It's only a hundred years. Another new series on the horizon that doesn't even have a title, just a code name. Grammar Rodeo. A reference to an episode of The Simpsons in which Bart and his schoolmates steal a car and run away for a week using a phony educational event as an alibi. The show takes place during the post Return of the Jedi Reconstruction era that follows the fall of the Empire. The same as the Mandalorian, but its plot remains a secret. It's created and executive produced by John Watts and writer Chris Ford, who made Spider-Man Homecoming for Marvel. A casting notice has called for four children around 11 to 12 years old. Inside Luke's film, the show is being described as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure films of the 80s. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love this idea. I love this idea. There is so much they could do here. There's so much they could do with this with this story. I just don't have thoughts on it right now. Like I, I just the the possibilities about what this show could be are so endless that I don't even want to speculate on it. That's how much they can do with this show. So, you know, John Watts. John Watts directed two he, he directed my two favorite movies in the MCU. N- number one being No Way Home and number two being Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't care what anyone says. I absolutely adore Spider-Man Homecoming. I love that movie so much. 
So, I really can't wait to see what John Watts does here. John Watts' name should already be on, on the map. Like, Taika Waititi's name is. Like, um, like the Russo's brothers' name, n- names are. But I'm like, John Watts doing Star Trek, and people are like, who's that? And I go, he directed the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. And they go, oh, who's that guy? That's cool. His last two movies both grossed over a billion dollars at the box office. One of which was during a pandemic. One of which, during a pandemic, became the sixth highest grossing film of all time. Spider-Man No Way Home is the highest grossing film to not reach $2 billion. There won't have been five movies to ever reach $2 billion, and they are, in no particular order, Avatar, Titanic, The Force Awakens, and then both Infinity War and Endgame. So No Way Home is the highest grossing movie to never hit $2 billion. And no one knows his name, and I think that's really sad. People need to give John Watts more credit. So, yeah, I cannot wait to see what he does with the show. We're here he's supposed to start filming next month. Which, you know, maybe some of this is a bit old in terms of, like, maybe, like, it's like a cast notice has been called. Was that casting notice called six months ago? Or was that called two weeks ago? Because if it was called six months ago, then we could be hearing a cast announcement at Celebration next weekend. I, I'm thinking some of the information in this article is old or there are a lot of facts that, that are being omitted here because Celebration is next weekend. I think that if Celebration were six months away, there'd be a lot more in here. So, I I think they've cast these kids because the show is supposed to start shooting in June. So, I think they're a lot farther along than than, than we think they are. Honestly, that and what that tells me that they're starting to talk about this here and not at Celebration next weekend is that this show is going to change the game. This show... I I mean, the fact they're being this secretive about it... And, and it could just be that they want, want to have a ton of big surprises at Celebration for this show. It could just be that. But... I'm thinking... That this may be one of the best things that they have in development right now. And this show could be one of the best things Disney's ever done with Star Wars. Now it's going to be really hard for them to top Rogue One for me. And The Force Awakens, but... I think they can do it. I want them to do it. You know, I, I, I don't want Star Wars, to me at least... I know to a lot of people, Star Wars peaked in... In 1980. I don't want Star Wars to me. To peak in 2016. I want Star Wars to peak. For me in like 2035. You know. So. Yeah. 
so let's move on now. Let's talk about let's talk about Andor. Let's talk about Andor. I am actually really excited for Andor. You know, I said it four times in this podcast already. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. Rogue One is, I think, my number four movie of all time. It it just it just missed the cutoff for for part three or for number three. It it just missed that. But um, we we learned a bit about the 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 story for Andor. Also, Wheeler's coming out this summer. Again, I think we're getting a trailer at Celebration next weekend. I'm thinking sometime in, in August, maybe late July. I'm thinking because, I mean, we still have Bad Batch this year. We still have Bad Batch coming out this year. Nothing on Bad Batch, which is crazy to me. So, yeah. Um, so, let's just read a bit about what Diego Luna said. He said, it's the journey of a migrant. That feeling of having to move to is behind the story very profoundly and very strong. That shapes you as a person. It defines you in many ways and what you are willing to do. Uh, series creator Tony Gilroy said, this guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrifice himself. Who does that? That's what this first season is about. It's about him being really revolution-averse and cynical and lost and kind of a mess. The story begins with the destruction of Andor's birth world and then follows him into adulthood when he realizes that he can't run forever. Uh, Gilroy continues saying, His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season. And we watch that place become radicalized. Then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The Empire is expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anybody who's in their way. Uh, by journey's end, Andor's path will be to block theirs. This, this next paragraph is probably, in terms of story... In terms of story, it's probably the second most interesting paragraph. For, like, right after thing with like this, the these like Jedi of old. But this paragraph is really interesting to me. The show also focuses on the enigmatic rebel leader Mon Mothma, played by Genevieve O'Reilly, who portrayed her as a young senator in Revenge of the Sith, then reprised the role in Rogue One. Now, with this whole like photo shoot thing, you know, you got you got a lot of big names there, like. Um, Ewan McGregor, obviously, um, Pedro Pascal, Rosario Dawson, Diego Luna, and then Kenobi's coming out next week, so they have Hayden there in the Vader suit, you have Moses Ingram there as well, who's playing, um, an Inquisitor named Reva, and she, she's like the main Inquisitor that we've been seeing in the trailers, but there was one appearance in these, in these images that really kind of confused me. Because Mon Mothma is featured a lot. And it's like, okay. I thought she may be in like four or five episodes. Because this is a 12 episode season. 
It's awesome. They're doing 12 episodes. I'm thrilled. So maybe Mon Mothma's in, in more show than we think? Well, she's going to be in a lot more than a lot of us thought. Mothma, then played by Caroline Blackston, was the priestess-like figure in 1983 Return of the Jedi who outlines weaknesses in the new Death Star, gravely intoning, Many Bothans died to bring us this information. In Andor, her story will run parallel to the title character, whom we know will eventually become one of her key agents. It's a huge orchestral Dickensian, uh, er, Dickensian ensemble cast, says Gilroy. So this is really interesting. So, concurrently with the story of, of Cassian finding out who he is in the, in the, 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 the galaxy as the Emperor is expanding the Empire and his, his forces... We'll, we'll be getting this this continuation that we saw in the deleted scenes of, of the Ruins of the Sith. We're, we're getting that story here where we are seeing the seeds of rebellion truly be sown. Like, there, there was something that Diego Luna said a, a, a while back, and he's like, this is the beginning of a revolution. This is it's the forming of a rebellion. I'm like, that that seems a bit, this seems a bit off. That seems a bit off. Not not anymore. Not anymore. This really does sound fascinating. Again, I, I, I just really love that they're going to have um, all these characters um, that we know just meet for the first time. Mon Mothman's really going to get her own her own time in, in the spotlight now. So I I really love that. I, I, I really do love that. Um so start with Mandalorian. Talk about the beginning of the Mandalorian. So this is confirm um that the Mandalorian season three is gonna be either late twenty twenty two or early 2023. So it seems like between November and February is when we'll see season three come out. Hoping it's, hoping it's November. Really hoping it's November. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I just want to watch season three. I, I really want season three of the show. Um, I think The Mandalorian is one of the best shows on TV right now. I, I don't think it's the best. I, I think that goes to um to either the, the boys or, or to Peacemaker, but man, I, I the Mandalorian I adore so much. I love everything about that show. Um So We were hearing so we we're hearing I'm glad the story is finally like being told in like print form so people understand it because people will give Kathleen Kennedy a lot of BS, a lot of BS for how they think that she ruined Star Wars. And if you are going to give Kathleen Kennedy 
all the blame for when things don't work out. You have to give her the credit for when things... You have to give her credit then for all the lightning and all the bottles. Because this directly outlines that Favreau's idea wanted to do... That Favreau wanted to have a Mandalorian show about a lone gunslinger. And at the same time, Dave Filoni was working on a show about Mandalorian culture. So... What Kennedy said was, um, so the the direct quote from the article, Favreau and Filoni were friendly, but Kennedy feared a turf war might erupt. erupt. She devised a fix. I arranged a playdate, she says. After meeting in Los Angeles, Favreau and Filoni exchanged ideas and drawings for a Mandalorian show that could combine their ideas. They got along instantly, like gangbusters, Kennedy says. Filoni's knowledge of Mandalorian history blended with Favreau's lone gunslinger concept. Most importantly, the new partners challenged each other. Favreau's idea for the child was the biggest sticking point. It gave us some pause, Kennedy said. He and Dave debated that quite ferociously. And goes into more of just the beginnings of Grogu. So... Kathleen Kennedy's the reason we have the Mandalorian. And and people think that she really didn't have a, a lot to do with that first season. That's not true whatsoever. That is not true whatsoever. Um, she had a lot to do with. She's she's allows you with everything Star Wars. And you know, as much as I've really loved. Disney Star Wars thus far. You know, I've I've loved four of the five movies. I've I've loved all I've I've loved both Disney Plus shows they've done. I've enjoyed all the animated stuff they've done. It was rocky. It was rocky. So I'm glad that they're that every, everyone at Lucasfilm is learning from their mistakes. They're all learning from their mistakes. They're all growing. They're all evolving. And I think that we are on the front end of some really amazing Star Wars. I really do. I I think we're about to get a lot of really great Star Wars coming out these next couple of years. Like, oh, oh my god, guys. This year... We already had six episodes of Book of Fett. We had six episodes of Book of Fett. We're about to have six episodes of six episodes of Kenobi. About to have six six episodes of Kenobi come out this year. We're also going to then have twelve episodes of Andor. That's insane. That's insane. And, I, and I've said, you know, I want a Star Wars movie to feel special. I want a Star Wars movie every two, three, or four years. Make them feel special. No, with the shows? Give them to me now. I want the shows now. <laughs> so, I really just cannot wait for for everything that they're that they're doing. So, yeah. Uh, what's what else is there? Um. We we okay. So, 
Ahsoka was confirmed for 2023. I, I, I should hope so. I mean, they're filming now. They started filming last week. I should hope that it's ready to go next year. Oh, you know what? There's, there's actually one great paragraph in here about Ewan McGregor and his family. It's a, it's a bountiful time to be a Star Wars obsessive, to say the least. McGregor, who wrestled with joining the galaxy in the late 90s and wrestled again with whether to return, says the gig has saturated his life. My partner, Mary, is doing that Star Wars series with Rosario and she's about to start because Mary Elizabeth Winstead is joining Ahsoka. Lucasfilm hadn't previously confirmed the rumors that Mary Winstead or that Mary Elizabeth Winstead would be in Ahsoka, but now they don't have to. Our little boy has been born into this massive Star Wars family, says McGregor, whose son with Winstead was born last summer. He will either embrace it or really go the other way. I don't know. Maybe he'll be a Trekkie. <laughs> Man, that's just bad. That's just been on the family level legacy right there. If he's a Trekkie, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but not only, not only are both his parents, you know, I mean, his, his father's Obi-Wan. And, and we don't know that much about what Mary Elizabeth Winstead is going to be doing in the Ahsoka series, but she's a great actress. She's a great actress. Um, I hope she's a villain. I hope she's a villain. She can be great as a villain, I, I think. But not only that, but his his uncle, his great uncle, was in the very first Star Wars movie. He played Wedge Antilles. He was in all three of the original films, and he reprised the role in a cameo in in episode nine. So Star Wars Dynasty, honestly, with with the with, with this family. Just awesome. I love that. I love that. So yeah, that there's really not that much here about Obi Wan again. the 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 show is coming out next week. The show is coming out next next week. So, I'm trying to think, trying to think here. There's anything else that's like big that we're missing. Um, top of all that, top of all that. Uh, the volume is awesome. I think the volume is so so cool. Um, yeah, so they're talking about Kenobi Bad, just sort of the process of, of how the, the, the show actually got off the ground. So, McGregor started to get asked the question nearly every time he gave an interview. Would he ever, so how, 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 how it all started? How it all started was, he, he, he was invited to introduce a Star Wars marathon at a theater. And what Ewan says was, um... What, what, what did Ewan say? Ewan said, um, they asked me if I would want to introduce one. And I've never done anything like that. But suddenly it just struck me that I really did want to. Um, I really do think it has to do with growing up. He enjoyed seeing people in sleeping bags, pulling an all-nighter with his movies. Kids who'd grown up with the prequels weren't as cynical as, as the critics. A few reviewers had even begun to reappraise them. People loved him as Obi-Wan, which made McGregor realize that he did too. After the screening, McGregor started to get asked the question nearly every time he gave an interview. Would he ever play Obi-Wan again? 
McGregor always answered in the affirmative, which is good politics, no, but not a, con- a contractual obligation. The only time the question really mattered was when McGregor was asked by Lucasfilm's then head of story, Kiri Hart, about four years ago. She just said, we just want to know if it's if it's true. You've said that you do it again. We want to know if you mean it. And I said, yeah, I do mean it. I, I would be happy to do it again. They, Lucasfilm had intended to make Kenobi a movie directed by Steve, by Oscar nominee Stephen Daldry. McGregor would be a producer this time, giving him more say over the story. I just said, I think that it should be a story about a broken man, a man who's lost his faith. He always has a funny little line to say, or, or always seems to be calm and is a good warrior or soldier or whatever. But to see that man come apart and see what gets him back together, that's where we started. Then they did the show. They turned it into a show. Um... And that's when, that's when Hayden came into the picture. And my, it, oh, oh my God, seeing the press interviews and stuff, seeing Hayden and Ewan back together, just seeing, just, they're, they're both happy to be there. You get the sense that they had a really great time with the show, that they loved doing this show. And they want to come back. I mean, Hayden's coming back for Ahsoka. Hayden's going to be in Ahsoka. I think he's going to be a cameo, but he's going to be in Ahsoka. Ewan said he wants to come back again. He'd love to do a season two. Now, I, I don't think that they should do a season two. Again, and I, I haven't seen the show yet, but... I think this story really only works if it is a limited series. If it's only going to be one season. You can't really do a second season with this show. You you can't because one season I think they're real. It's gonna be really hard to like make this be a show without cheapening that moment where Kenobi and Vader come face to face again, in in a New Hope. So I don't know. That's just gonna have to be really interesting. It's gonna that's gonna be really interesting and I don't I don't wanna see a season two. I'd love to see him pop up in other things. Like maybe he'll have a can in like season two episode nine of Andor. I don't know. I'm I I'm making that up. Maybe he'll be there. But I think give him another season. Who knows? Who knows? Like maybe this season is truly the greatest piece of art that's ever been crafted. You know, I hope it is, but it's not. It's not. But, yeah, I I just love seeing them be happy to be there, truly. They're happy to be there, and I love that. Okay. So, in the fall of 2019, Chow and Christensen, Chow sat in Christensen's living room. Asking to return as the most fearsome tyrant in the galaxy. At the time of the meeting, it had been 14 years since Revenge of the Sith, and the actor assumed his galactic glory days were done. He was happy to be wrong. This is a character that has come to define my life in so many ways. He says, I was originally hired to play a very specific portion of this person's life. Most of my work was with Anakin, and I get to come back and explore the character of Darth Vader. 
technically you don't need Christensen for Vader. All you need is the mask, a hulkling, a hulking figure in, in the suit, and if you're lucky, James Earl Jones' imperious voice. But you do need Christensen to show the audience the hot-headed but compassionate man who was lost when Anakin Skywalker became Vader. A lot of my conversations with Deborah were about wanting to convey this feeling of strength, but also coupled with imprisonment, Christensen says. This is a tr- there is this power and vulnerability, and I think that's an interesting space to explore. That sounds great, because, like, other than it being a cathartic experience for the actor, what's the point of bringing back Hayden? If if you're not going to actually, like, do anything with, like, if it, if we go this whole show without seeing Hayden's face in a recognizable way, then what's the point as the audience other than knowing that he's there? Other than knowing that is Hayden? You know, like, that's just... You can get anyone to do that. Like, bring the guy who did it in Rogue One. So, I'm really glad that they're, that they're like, we, we got Hayden back. Let's do something with it. Let's do something with that. So, I I love that idea. I, I, I love the idea. I hope we get flashbacks. Not flashbacks upon flashbacks upon flashbacks, but I'd love to see a flashback in every episode or so. I don't know. That's just w- what I think. It's what I think. All right, last one here. Last one here. Almost done. Time to talk about Ahsoka. Um, there's really not that much, um, with Ahsoka here, uh, but we do have some stuff about Dave Filoni, um, Dave Filoni says, Ahsoka is a continuous story, it's, it is definitely driving toward a goal in my mind, as opposed to being a single, a little singular adventures, that's what I want the character to be doing, and I think that's what fans want now, they have such a relationship with her, I've only recently started to understand how all those kids that watch Clone Wars are now a lot older. They're very excited to... They're very excited about all the things they grew up with as they should be. Yeah, we are. You know? Though those of us... Who weren't... Like, especially me. Because, like, I, I... I was born six months after Episode 3 came out. So, I didn't experience any of the, that prequel hype. Especially as a fan. So, you know, growing up with Clone Wars and that being my Star Wars. Yeah, I'm really happy. We got to see Clone Wars end in such a spectacular way two years ago. That I think the Bad Batch is a worthy successor series to Clone Wars. I don't think it's as good as Clone Wars. But I mean, it's only had one season. And I think the first season of the Bad Batch blows away season one of Clone Wars. But... I, I'm excited. The future of Star Wars is bright. Very bright. Um, and I really believe, I really believe that next week, next Friday, for me at two o'clock in the morning, when those first episodes of Kenobi come, come out on Disney+, Plus. We will be experiencing 
a wonderful new Star Wars series. And I really want it to just match up to everything we wanted it to be. And I think it will. I really think it will. Um, yeah, guys. I just can't wait for Kenobi. Um, can't wait for all of it. But it's super late now. We've been going for over an hour. Uh, or I've been going for over... I've been going for over an hour. I'm tired. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you guys so, so much for, for listening again. Remember, um, if you aren't going to be watching Kenobi at midnight, then when when you wake up in the morning, you you will have our episode reviews for the first two episodes, or our reactions, not reviews, reactions for the first episodes up on the feed for the boss to go and spoil himself with because that's what the boss does for some reason. But, <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so, so much for listening. If you want to send in feedback, uh, at Tuscan Radio Pod on Twitter. Best way to do it. Marvel fans, go and check out another Marvel podcast. You're going to be doing our trailer breakdown for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, this week. So, make sure you go and check that out. But, yeah, thank you guys so, so much for listening. My name is Drew Gretsch. May the Force be with you. Always. I have spoken.